1: So in today's episode, ladies, we have Karen Shanali. We talk all things today about glamping resorts, what they are, how you make money, her numbers, and it just, we got into so many specifics and her thinking behind them. It was a phenomenal uh, conversation that we had with her that expanded this particular niche,
2: right, Andressa? Yeah, and she started at 43 years old. That's how she left her corporate job to start Airbnbs and now transitioning to glamping. And we are her avatar. We don't do nothing. <laughs> so if you're like us, you don't want to do anything. But you also looking to different types of businesses that you can invest on. This episode is for you.
3: can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So whether you started a podcast, side-hustled your way to some extra income, flipped a house, or finally bought your first rental property, your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
1: Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. We're so excited to have you, Karen, on our show today. Thanks for making time to spend with us and the women and men who are on this journey with us. So
0: thanks for being here today. I am so excited to be here and talk to you guys. I am a huge fan of your show.
1: Awesome, awesome. We're, we're really excited to have you on for lots of different reasons, your story and your perseverance and just the niche that you're in now. So Selfishly and Jess and I are pumped to talk about glamping resorts. So <laughs> something I want to get to and then from an investing perspective. So we'll get into all of that in a moment. We just thank you all for being back And being on this journey with us, we always like to say we're on this journey, right, Andressa? There's no beginning and and middle and end, right? And investing and doing it in a way that works on your own terms is a journey. (laughs) And we're constantly uh, evolving. So we like to get connected to all of you. And then we like to jump into the wonderful woman that we're interviewing.
2: So, Andressa, what is happening and coming up for you this week, my friend? Well, yesterday, as you know, Liz, I closed all my HELOC. And the primary house. And things. That's yeah. Very exciting. Since I I know myself as a human being, and people call me very independent. So I'm mastered that independency I'm trying to figure out things by myself. And throughout my entire life, if I look back, I was pretty much a quote unquote a solo player, right? But throughout the years of the real thing faster we encourage women to do what to leverage their experience resources and of course i also had to unlearn a lot of things and one thing that i realized yesterday is that once you at the beginning is hard no no joke about it right asking for help and just flexing that muscle but I'm gonna tell you something that I realized yesterday when you are just used to ask for help and people ask you for help you just do it you just do it naturally so it's funny that during the hillock yesterday my lender called me and said well we have another option I was like a oh, great right I'm on my way there <laughs> and <laughs> well, different options that we could play around Well. I'm no longer looking to figure out things by myself. What did I do? Tap into my resources. Call Liz and Matt and then Holly and then Anna Kelly. Got Anna Kelly on the phone. And then we ask more questions and asking questions and questions to the lender. And the lender was like, he's so sweet and he's he's great. And he's like, you guys... I don't think I ever had this experience before that you guys are asking so many great questions and asking to review the documentation. And just like you asked to review the appraisal report. I was like, of course. <laughs> I mean, why people wouldn't do this? And why can't we really play the options, play the numbers and get the best solution to that? So the reason why I say to that, I didn't realize, I just realized that after But I also tap into my resources. I am not that egocentric person anymore that was like, oh, let me just do it by myself and not, you know, it will be foolish of me. I have people that can look out for me. So I encourage all of you that are listening to really flex that muscle asking for help starts with little items and then you go and I said this before and I'll say it again you also give people the permission for them to ask you for help hmm. so keep that in mind and thank you all for the support <laughs>
1: I'm so excited for you right because I you know helix are such a powerful powerful vehicle for us as investors
2: and I'm excited for you so- and I beat my record just say. You, beat, you mean you got more than you wanted to? No, that I knew for sure. Oh, that's a excuse thought, me. But that's excuse okay. me. What do you say? I no, no. mean, <laughs> the past, the max that I could get was like 114 and this time was 125. So here we go. I beat okay. my own record. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> and I'm going to share with you guys how I did it. Okay. So we'll do that as you. a mini song. Yeah. 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 Break that down. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff.
1: So Karen, thanks again so much for being on our show. I always like to kind of kick things off. Uh, is What inspired you? Because that's an important work. Not just how did you get started? Because that's boring. And I just I don't want to bore anyone that's listening to our show. But what inspired you to begin investing in real estate?
0: I wanted to be independent. I had a W-2 job for many, many years. A long commute, working for a defense contractor. And I really wanted to be my own boss. It was a long journey from the day I decided I was going to do my own thing to the day I got free. It was a long process. And I was probably like about 42 or 43 when I was just like, just so tired of like having all these really great creative ideas. And then, of course, if you're in the corporate world, you have to take it to somebody and then they get to pass judgment on it. And then Usually like you come in all bubbly and excited to do something. And then by the time it made it through like the second or third level of management, it looked nothing like the idea that you put into the system, the thing that came out the other end, somehow they always managed to transform it into looking like exactly what they had done in the past. So that was really my inspiration. I just had this burning desire. I just knew that I could do better on my own. I really did. And um, so that was really what inspired me to kind of get the ball rolling many, many years ago.
2: And at 43, right, many people say they just settled for the life that they have built up to that. And I think that I admire your courage to taking the leap and really changing the course or not changing the course, but choosing the course that you wanted to live your life moving forward. So share with us, what have you done in order to say, listen, here's my W-2 stable, quote unquote, stable income. And this is what it's the second option here. What questions did you ask yourself and what did you do in order to feel confident that pivoting was the right thing for you?
0: The biggest thing for me was financial because obviously you get, oh, my God, like, how am I going to continue to feed myself? Where is this income going to come from? So I really huge... A huge fan of bigger pockets, and that's really kind of what got me on this journey was I started I had that long commute and I was listening to Bigger Pockets podcasts day and night. That and then I was listening to a bunch of podcasts on short-term rentals. And this was back in like 2014, 2015. So Airbnb was extremely new. But I got this idea that I could use the steady income that I had coming in from my W-2 to kind of slingshot me along the way on kind of my financial independence journey. And listening to Bigger Pockets, I knew the best way to do this was through real estate. Like I had money in a 401k and I would sit there and I'd watch that thing go up and down and it used to frustrate the heck out of me. But, you know, I knew that like just from my experience of owning a home, the value of my home stayed relatively stable. Like if a CEO wakes up and has some dalliance with their intern, the stock's going to go down the next day. People are going to find out about it and you have no control over that. Yeah. But the condo that I bought in Mount Snow, I could wake up the next day and I mean, we can have a recession, all these things can go on, but the value of it's not just going to, you're not going to lose 50, 50, 60% of it overnight. And so I knew real estate was the way to do it. And so what I did was I had some money in my 401k and I, in that time point in time too, I was still listening to Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey would tell you, you never touch your 401k. You don't leverage like, and in some ways, like I love Dave and he really helped me like get in a better financial position in terms of like budgeting and all of that. And like spending sensibly, but the advice he gave on like not leveraging and all of that. I think in the beginning, it really held me back. So it was tough in the beginning to have the courage to say, okay, I'm going to take a loan out on my 401k and I'm going to take this and I'm going to go use it to put the down payment on a convenience store that we saw. It was a phenomenal deal. And that was really where we got our start. I bought a convenience store and I, I drove by it every day on my way to work. And I could tell, I watched it close down and we knew the gal that was running it. And uh, she was a good family friend. And so I kind of had the inside track on what was going on. And it was, it had gone to auction for like $400,000 and no one bought it. And I had a friend who was a corporate attorney at the company I worked for. And so I went to him and I said, Hey, I said, talk about leveraging your network, right? I had no idea what I was doing. And he gave me some free legal advice. And he's like, hey, like here, you put a letter of intent together. Do you want to buy it? So I threw him a letter of intent. 150,000 is what I offered him. So this was a full convenience store. It had gas pumps. They were all functional. It was like a deal. And they kind of laughed in my face. Mm. Um, And I was like, fine, you know, I don't care. I just was like in the mindset, I'm just going to keep making offers and things till I get it. And actually they came back like two weeks later and took the offer. There we go. So I got a convenience store for 150 grand. I pulled another 40 out of my 401k and used it was a loan that I got so I didn't even have any tax consequences and I leveraged that 401k to make some renovations on the convenience store and get it up and running. So that was really pivotal and it was really important to kind of that shift in mindset. I talk a lot about mindset in my journey here. I had to get over that Dave Ramsey thinking of leverage is horrible, touching that 401k is horrible. If used correctly, your 401k can be an incredible asset to getting you out of your W-2 job. You know, you could take a loan, you could buy a multifamily. There's all different kinds of things you can do with that 401k and use it smartly. So, so many people's first deals is like a
1: duplex, a single family home. Yours is a convenience store. Like that's pretty cool. Like that's, I've not heard that before. So I love that. Did you own, so you own the building? Just curious, just to dissect that a little bit. Did you, you own the building and then did you also buy the business or is the business separate or how did that all work? Because I think that's a, you know, it's something that we are navigating. We're owning the real estate, we're owning the business, especially as women want to diversify and maybe Mm -hmm. after classes. So just curious to, to understand that a little bit.
0: The business had shut down. It was closed for about, I would say maybe two months when I picked it up. So it wasn't that long. So all the accounts with the vendors were still like the vendors, it was easy to get a lot of that started up. Plus I had, so that person I told you I knew on the inside, she was the manager of the store. I just hired her back. I hired all the employees back. And so she was kind of the face of the business. The previous owner was very much an absentee owner. So she pretty much ran everything. So this really worked to my advantage because I hired her and she was a godsend. Like if it wasn't for her, we never would have made it. She operated so- it for you. She operated it for me, so she did like the day to day, and then I did all of the back end. So I taught myself. I mean, I had advanced degrees and stuff at MBA and all of that, but they don't teach you how to actually do accounting entries. <laughs>
2: it, so, <laughs> yeah. hilarious that because I yeah. have an MBA as well, and when I started investing and running, you know, P I don't remember learning P and Ls uh. and deeper you know how to run a business they teach you how to be an employee and how to you know uh, come on that does not make any sense for god's sake
0: no i totally agree with you it's kind of funny i've got three kids and my kids are all extremely smart and based on my journey now like i tell them i'm like all of the stuff i have learned to make money and become wealthy I didn't learn any of this stuff in school. I learned it all from listening to podcasts, from reading books. And I tell them now, I'm like, this is going to sound so blasphemous. I tell them, don't bother with a college education unless you really want it. Like, If you feel like it's a confidence booster for you, then absolutely go spend the money, get that college education. Or if you
2: want to be a doctor, then go for and it, Or a lawyer. Right? But, or, yeah.
0: But to really become wealthy through real estate, my honest opinion is you don't need a college degree to do that. You can do it. By listening to podcasts, reading books, which is exactly how I've done it. Networking, like networking, you talk about the resources and the network. Like that has been, honestly, in the last three years, my wealth has been slotted because I networked and I finally just stopped being like, I have to do all this myself and started reaching out and networking with people. And it's just been an amazing journey.
2: Liz and I always talked about it because we we created the real estate investor community four years ago. And now we have over 12,000 people on our Facebook group and meetups across the country and in Canada. And we were saying like our children, the community's children, how cool it would be if they start connecting with each other and learning about money in a different way and growing together because we're going to have a problem when our kids, (laughs) right? All the, the investor kids go to school and they start learning about money, what they're hearing that they should or shouldn't do, they're going to stand up and start talking about things that many times, I'm sorry, but the teacher or the professor never heard before. So we need to have a community to back them up, to say, no, I'm not crazy. Just thinking that this is what it is. And let me show you guys. So Liz and I are thinking about it, but let's get to the juicy part here you start doing glamping. And I think that it's relatively new compared to the other strategies that we, we have seen it. So for the folks that are listening right now, right? Break it down to us what exactly that is and how do you make money with it? Oh
0: gosh. So glamping is glamorous camping. So you're basically taking those two words and marrying them together.
2: It is a- Hold on, or hold a- on, Karen. Is that for like- People like Liz that hates camping, but don't. like camping.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just don't like it. And I'm not even high uh, maintenance. No. And I just don't you like having not. to bring my own food. No. So listen. Gotta, you gotta you hear me out here. All right. I'm <laughs> listening. That's
0: why we want to have you on the show, selfishly, right? So glamping is about an experience. So let me just backtrack one second. I got into glamping because I was in short term rentals. I have sizable short term rental portfolio. And there's a lot of parallels, you know, it's an overnight stay, right? But in my opinion, the thing that makes it very different from like just your standard, like Airbnb, the RBO experience is the experience you offer to the glamper. People want to glamp because they're looking for that family connection. They're looking for a higher level of a many than you would expect to find, like if you drug your own tent into the outback. Mm. So when you're glamping, You're going, it's like Airbnb, but like several levels above it. So, I mean, we're just setting it up now. We're getting all our amenities stacked in order and stuff. And I'll tell you some of the things we're doing. Like when you show up, my idea is camping done for you. So you show up. That's a good tagline, Karen. If you don't have a tagline, use that. That's my tagline. That's my tagline.
1: Camping done for you. I'm yeah. your customer, so I'll tell. I you am this. your customer. I don't want yeah. to do anything. We're both your customers, so whatever you say, we're going to tell you. Yeah, your name during this podcast, so we'll help you.
0: <laughs> Good. I need the help. So the idea is, you'll show up. You will have to bring your clothes, right? But you would have to do that no matter where you went, of course. But when you get there, if you want to have the groceries brought in for you, we have a service that will do it. That's yeah. optional. You don't have to. So there's a link in your check-in message. You can click it and you set it up with the grocery service that's local and they will come and they will stock your refrigerator for you. In terms of an amenities load, we're going to have robes. All your linens are going to be provided. There's going to be a s'mores kit that's complimentary when you get there. There's a starter set of charcoal. Every campsite gets a a bundle of firewood. And if you decide that you want to buy more, you can. The fire pit is centrally located. Again, the reason why we're doing that is we're trying to promote that experience, that connection between campers, right? Because so much about society now, especially since COVID, is, oh, my God, like you can't talk to people, you can't touch them. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people really want to come together again. And so we're going to have like a central fire pit. Um, So there'll be fires at night. Um, On the weekends, we're going to do like a storytelling thing. So that's like completely like a step above. There are no televisions in these, but there's electricity. The bathrooms are absolutely stunning. They're gorgeous. Like the shower.
2: Yeah, I have problems with bathrooms.
0: You would love this bathroom. You get your own bathroom. The shower is beautiful. It's got potty sprays on it. It's got a rain bath shower head and then a hand spray. It's got like a regular size sink, a really beautiful toilet. The kitchen, it's got a four burner stove. They have, it's an efficiency refrigerator. And then they got microwaves in them. It's got all electricity. I'm going to have cell phone chargers in there because I mean, that's just the reality, but we are not going to have TVs. We will make TVs available. So we'll have like an online store. So if you decide like you have to have that TV for the weekend, you can tell us in advance of your reservation. You just go onto the store, you reserve it and we'll have it set up for you when you arrive. They're also pet friendly. People who like to grade outdoors like to bring their pets. I think what a great environment, you know, and To have your pet in, we'll have areas where you can walk your dog. We have also an amenities load for the dogs that, you know, we have like dog beds and dog cages and leashes and treats. And so we're really, again, it's like camping done for you. I want it so that you just show up with your suitcase. And if we're not already providing it as part of the amenities load, we're trying to make it available on the store. And we'll have an employee, like you can go on, you can say, I forgot my bug dope. Can you bring me a can of bug dope? And we'll be happy to run it down to you. So we're really trying to think of everything. That you could possibly want there's a hot tub on site so you can go and you can take a dip in the hot tub and we've got robes in there so you don't have to like drag all these clothes down there you can just pop your robe on and walk down and hop in the hot tub and the views are amazing so this is down in tennessee in Weirs valley so we've been putting these scents up for like the last three months and i'm there early mornings and it is it's unbelievable like you sit there and you look out at the mountains and the clouds rising from between the mountains and the sun and it's it's stunning.
2: So let's break it down from the business perspective, right? Do you own the land and you're building cabins on it, or what type of structure are you building? So, so, how many are they?
0: So, we bought the land as part of a deal. We got private financing on it, and there was a large cabin already on the land that we turned into a coffee shop. And then behind it, there was this whole acre. That we needed to do something because the mortgage, the coffee shop, the building was extremely expensive because of the location. And I was like, there's no way a coffee shop's going to pay the mortgage on this thing long term. I got to do something different. So we started looking at these glamping tents, the economics behind them. So right now, a glamping tent, it's like a two bedroom. So it's not really a cabin. It is a tent. It has canvas walls, but it's canvas stretched over a very rigid structure. They can withstand 80 mile an hour winds. They have these things installed uh, like up in Acadia, Maine. There's a glamping village up there so they can take snow load. That's not so much of a concern here in Tennessee, but they really are like, they're like little little houses. They're so awesome inside. And then so for economics, it's about 50 grand right now if you go buy one of these things. And that comes with everything now. So a it's tent. all of the, the one, tent. One tent, one if you will. One, one tent. Structure. One structure wow. that it comes with all your furniture. So with what that, square feet, you, we talking? It's about three hundred and sixty square feet. Okay, fits how many people? Five, five people. Wow, five. family. Mm-hmm. So there's a quote unquote master bedroom, if you will, and that's got a queen bed in it. And then there's a bunk room that has three bunks in it. And then there's a full size bath in between the two rooms. You get all your furniture with it. So all the furniture is rustic looking. It's wood. Everything comes disassembled, and you have to put it together.
2: So is you that a can, company that does yes. just provide yeah. this, like the storage and the yep. modular? Okay.
0: Yeah. You buy it from a company. They're overseas. They're in the Netherlands. A lot of the price that you're paying is the shipping costs to get it into the States. But for us, so you can pay, there are distributors throughout the United States. You can buy these through. And a lot of them, you can either set it up yourself or they'll charge you a fee to set it up. Originally, we were going to go with the distributor and have them set it up. We decided that was really not the best avenue for us. My husband's a general contractor and we just were like, and my daughter, she's amazing. So my daughter took over as the project manager and my husband was a general contractor and we kind of made magic happen and we put these things up ourselves. How
2: long How long does it usually take to pull one up?
0: The actual installation of the tent itself, like if you did the work from start to finish and you didn't have to deal with all the inspections, which I'll talk about in a minute from the county. You can probably put one together in about four or five days. The thing that is a challenge, and if people are trying to do this in their local markets, is these things are kind of funky. It's not a building, right? But it's not really like a puck tent either that you go and you buy at Walmart and throw up in your front yard. So the regulatory authorities in some some regions are having a really hard time with these. So like Mm -hmm. here in Tennessee, like everyone is trying to do this. And the rules are different from county to county. And so for us, that's been our big challenge is trying to get the local authorities comfortable with what they're doing because they're new. You know, it's really not a cabin, which is what they're used to seeing around here. It's a soft-sided structure, but it's got a lot of the amenities that the cabin would have. It's got a bathroom. It's got a kitchen. So like here, what they're saying is every one of these things is equivalent to like a one-bedroom cabin. So the rules that are getting levied on us in terms of like the code books and the regulations are like I was building a cabin. So essentially what I'm doing right now is I'm building three cabins. I mean, that's the rule book that I'm following. And sometimes it's kind of ridiculous. Like the decks are 21 inches off the ground, but the set of rules that they're making us follow for these decks is like something you would apply to a cabin that, that had a deck that was 30 or 40 feet, you know, off the ground to the first floor. So that's been very challenging. And because the local authorities like don't really know what to do, they don't give us answers very quickly. So we've had to be really persistent, really use like our powers of negotiation and persuasion. Like we are in there probably sometimes we were in there three and four times a week earlier in the process, trying to get things established. Septics is another thing that's a big concern.
2: That was going to be my next question to you. What structures like septics... And then HVAC or heating, cooling, and any other general electricity and other items that are big items. It comes with it too, or I'm not sure if the that's going to make sense since it's coming from overseas.
0: No. So what you get from overseas is basically just the tent and all of the stuff inside of it. Once you get it here in the States, you've got to invest additional money to get the infrastructure set up. What I'm finding is that the infrastructure is about $50,000 a tent, and that's right now, and this is in where I'm located in Sevier County. So the infrastructure consists of a septic system because I'm not on city water. If you're on city water, it's going to be less because all you have to do is pretty much get a, pay a hookup fee. We've got electrical in them, and then we've got power. And so all of that together is averaging about $50,000 a tent.
2: And that so also- you guys use for activation. cooling cooling and heating? Yeah. So we have mini splits in ours. Mini splits. Okay, cool.
0: Yep. Yep. And those are nice because they're scalable. So for right now, they have one mini split in the main room and we're going to kind of see how that goes. And if it's not enough, we'll just add, you know, add them into the bedrooms as we need to. But the infrastructure is, we were not provided the correct data. <laughs> and what we what the infrastructure was going to be. Sure. And then the other piece of that is the excavation. So if you're putting in like a septic system, once it's done, you want to make sure you have your site leveled and graded because at the end of the day, I mean, that's what's going to show up in your photos for your listing and you want it to look really warm and welcoming and things like that. So, yeah, it's about it averaged about 50,000 with all of those things thrown in. You're going to probably ask me returns.
1: Well, you know, that was what where I was going, but more importantly, like as you're navigating this new strategy? Like, I guess my mind goes, you know, you said cost, I don't know, what would, what did the land cost out of curiosity? Well, it was the land came with the coffee shop. So it was 1.1 1. 1 to get okay. the land in the coffee shop. You know, you're running your numbers on obviously all these acquisition, you know, costs, right? And then obviously you're going to project what your returns could be, or at least when it's almost like you've created something that's like a mix between Airbnb and like a boutique hotel that's outside. That's what it sounds like. And in itself, you're creating a business. Same back to your roots of a convenience store. You bought a building that had a business in it. That's what you're doing now. You're you're not just, you're not just passively investing in, a, in land here. You're, you're creating a whole business for yourself as well, which I think is important for people to understand. This is not just like, you know, they're not just buying a property, right? It's like going to do new construction. You're doing it in a different way, right? But yep. so you got the 1.1, you got 50K per structure, if you will. And then you have 50K in addition for infrastructure. I'm sure there's other costs and things, but just trying to get some numbers. How many can you put there? And then we'll f- talk about how you then assessed your return and what, the, you know, what, what your revenue streams are and when that money will be made for yourself and all those good things.
0: So the number of structures we can put in any given property is driven by the septic and the size of the septic that that property can support. So. Okay. When we first got into this and we started working with the distributor, we were told that we could fit 19 structures on this one acre. Okay. And I was kind of like, and he said, oh yeah, you know, the septic's no big deal. Like you could put things on your septic field. He was completely wrong. So we invested. So I got my tents for less than what they're costing right now. I bought my tents like last year. And when I bought them, they were 37,000 a pop Mm -hmm. for the big ones. And then, so my development is going to be, the ones we're working on right now, I call them big tents. They're two bedrooms. And then there's also a whole bunch of smaller tents you can buy that are just essentially, they either have like a queen size bed in them or two doubles. And those are, we call those small tents. And those last year, they were, the small ones were 8,000 and the big ones were 12. So our initial investment was four big tents. And then we bought a bathhouse to serve as the bathing facilities for all the small tents. And we have 13 small tents that we bought. So we had all this stuff, we had a layout, we found out we can't use all these. So now I wind up with one big tent and 13 small tents that I can't, I have nothing to do. They're still in storage. So we're actually already have a phase two in the works. So from an economic standpoint though, the payoff for these is about eight months on the tent, just on the tent itself. If you factor the infrastructure in, you're probably looking at like another eight.
2: So within that acre that where you installed the septic system, how many were you able to put?
0: Three, three big tents is what I got. And then I've got all those extra ones in storage, which are going into a phase two, which I will buy in about three weeks. I'll buy the awesome. land for that in about three weeks. Yeah. So from a payback standpoint, initially I ran them as mm-hmm. just looking at like what you could get for like a two bedroom. Airbnb in the local area and those were the initial numbers I used and I still have those numbers so if you look at those numbers and again they're very conservative after all my costs so this is cleaning this is even hiring a full-time person because you need you're going to need somebody yeah. because this is such a high touch it's not like a normal Airbnb yeah you're going to need people there to like deliver yep. things and give them that experience so even after my labor cost the annual return after everything is about forty seven thousand dollars that's not bad for
2: a hundred, let's just say a hundred thousand outlay. Just curious in terms of staff and teams, who do you have now or what are you projecting that you would need in order to run this business? I'm assuming without you.
0: Yeah. So that's a very good point you make because I have several businesses and every time I set up a business, I set it up with the idea that I am not required to run a business. Like from day one, that's how I go in. So there's always the idea there's going to be a manager or some person overseeing everything. So for the glamp ground, it's kind of cool because I already have a pretty sizable Airbnb business. And so my Airbnb business is very process driven. It's essentially just going to get sucked into the machine of the process in terms of like the back office and things. And for that, I have a VA that supports me, I have a full time VA. And then I have two other, once full time and once half time assistants that is, uh, support me and my other endeavors. But they all, they help across all the businesses. Like I have one gal that's amazing with web copy and websites and all of that. She does that for the glamp ground. There will be one full time employee that does nothing but like manage the glamp ground. And then there'll be another employee it'll probably be like halftime. So the, the full-time employee will be focused on like the grounds and the mowing and all of that. And then the halftime person is more towards like the hospitality and making sure the events are booked, making sure the tents are staged properly when people check in. So I'm thinking about one and a half FTEs just to run the land ground. But if you think about it, like right now, they're only working with three tents, but I'm putting this other phase two in. They can certainly like, they'll have plenty of bandwidth to go ahead and support that other piece of it. So as I scale up, my labor cost per tent obviously goes down because I've gotten them spread across a larger larger set of resources.
3: Hey there, fellow Libation lovers. Let's talk about something that's sure to tickle your taste buds. Total Wine & More. Are you ready to embark on a journey through the aisles of endless possibilities? Total Wine & More is your one-stop shop for all things wine, whiskey, and everything in between. From the smoothest Cabernets to the boldest Bourbons, they've got it all. And the best part? Their team of friendly guides is here to help you navigate through the maze of choices. Need a recommendation? They've got you covered. But wait, it gets even better. Total Wine & More offers convenient curbside pickup and delivery, so you can stock up on your favorites without ever leaving your car or home. So, what are you waiting for? Dive into the world of Total Wine & More today, and discover your next favorite libation. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. That's TotalWine.com. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21.
1: Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Curious to hear what your biggest learnings have been. So here you come from, you go from your W2, you buy your convenience store, which I think is just so cool. And then you transition into building a significant size of an Airbnb portfolio. And then you're now transitioning into, you know, different businesses and starting. And I love your approach. What would you have done differently? as you now are embarking on something that's newer for a lot of people, newer even especially from a regulation perspective, right? So you're, you're dealing with challenges that other people are not, right? Or a new construction or, or a lot of the other niches, if you will, are not necessarily dealing with as much as you are with this particular newer niche. So what would you have done differently? What have been your you know, biggest learnings? What has been your biggest learning that the women listening, they want to embark on glamping resorts, if you will, would need to think about and do?
0: Just specific to the glamping resort, you really got to do your due diligence upfront. So what we did was we trusted this person because they were from the local area and they kind of told me, oh, yeah, the rules are no big deal, like blah, blah, blah. It was all a bunch of crap. None of it was true. So you kind of like trust but verify, right? And this is any municipality you put these in. Before you spend a dime and buy a single tent, like take the plans and go to your local city offices, your county offices and sit down and talk to them about what you're doing and just kind of get an appreciation for how comfortable they are with it. That was like our biggest mistake that we made. I mean, in the end of the day, I don't really think it's a mistake because, you know, we're buying a second piece of property and we're expanding and like we got so charred on this, right? But that would be my best piece of advice to people is just go and talk to the county and no one likes to ask mother, may I, but like, damn, it stinks to spend $300,000 in tents and not be able to put them up. We're still sitting on a whole bunch of them, right? And then we've got to figure out how are we going to deploy these things. That's the best piece of advice I can give. Go ask questions and educate them. Learn everything you can about it. So if you meet resistance... You can kind of figure out like what their pressure points are and kind of, you know, say, hey, like, nope, this is really the way it is. It's really low impact. People love it. Here in Sevier County, too, the lodging taxes are fairly significant and sizable. So that's another way maybe to convince the local authorities and say, hey, like, this is a massive income stream. This is what I project I'm going to earn off of this. You know, you guys are going to make quite a bit, you know, I'm going to make a lot of money for your tax base.
2: That's why Philadelphia was not complaining for a long period of time about Airbnbs because they were getting paid for quite a lot. A bit. Right. So, talking about the business, right? You have the stream of income about people renting the tents. What are the other possible extra incomes that you are also, I'm sure you're also thinking that they can consume that will also add to your revenue? Oh, gosh. This to me is the most exciting thing about this model. So if,
0: if you think about like when someone comes to stay, you know, there's a base load of amenities that we're going to provide, and it's way more than what you would get in a standard Airbnb. But then there's this company that allows you to have like a website dedicated to your Airbnb. And so it's convenience items. I talk like sunscreen, bug spray, we're going to rent like doggy pools, coolers, pup tents, like we come up with all these cool things that people will be able to go on and just rent, right? So if you think about, let's talk about the doggy pool. The doggy pool is like, I don't think they're like 30 bucks on Amazon, right? Even if I charge someone 10 bucks to have it for their entire stay, three rents and you've paid for the thing. And now all of a sudden you're starting to like make revenue off it. Bachelor and bachelorette parties. So you buy the decorating kit off of Amazon for, I think my daughter looked at them, they were $20. You offer to decorate it for when they show up for their event. You can charge probably hundred 150 bucks for that. Everything's there when they get there, it's all done. Like, so that is a massive income stream and it's fairly easy to do. And I'm already paying an employee full time, like on site. That's gonna be part of their job. So you can monetize it that way. There's like referral fees that you can get. So if you have like I have a lady that does hiking tours locally and I'm working up a deal with her, I'm like, okay, so for every person I send your way, you know, will you? Kick me like twenty bucks or something like that. That's a very easy thing to do. So the other thing that we're doing is we're kind of cross monetizing it with my other businesses. So I mentioned earlier I have a coffee shop there on the same property. So when people check in, part of their amenities basket is a ten dollars gift card to the coffee shop. They are going to go in. So my average ticket in the coffee shop is fourteen bucks an order. So the ten dollars it's just going to get them in there, right? They're going to buy more. I mean, a coffee in my coffee shop, just like a regular latte is probably like eight bucks now for a large. So you go in and you, you're going to spend more. We have pastries in there. There's all kinds of good stuff. You're not in by yourself. If you show up at the tent without a coffee for your spouse, like you're going to be in deep doo-doo. So you need to to buy (laughs) stuff. Literally, for sure. (laughs) I love that. That's another way that we've crossed kind of are generating income back to the business. And then the other interesting thing is that, so these tents are sitting on land that's owned by the coffee shop. The tents will be paying rent back to the coffee shop. They're going to pay lot rent every month back to the coffee shop. So that'll help the coffee shop because the mortgage, like I said earlier, the size of the mortgage relative to the volume of the business was way out of proportion when we kind of got into this deal. Sure. So that'll really help out and kind of balance things quite a bit. So there's a lot of different ways. And these are just things that I've thought of now. I know that there's a lot more stuff down the line that's going to come to me and just hasn't hit me yet.
1: I love that. think, you know, your motto or if it is your motto or not, but camping done for you, right? So that just literally means that As soon as you said that, I'm like, there's so many revenue streams because literally people don't want to like bring, if I want it done for me, I'm not going to bring a little pool with me, right? I'm just not going to do that. I want literally everything done for me. So the ability to create those revenue streams is just unlimited, which is great. And I think it just goes back to our avatar, right? For those listening, really getting a sense, whatever niche you get involved in and what, what uniqueness you're bringing to the table. Are you serving that avatar? So not only are you going to make a ton of revenue with the kits and everything you just said and all the things you haven't even thought of, more importantly, you're serving your avatar. That's how you're going to be able to make the revenue you're making. And you know that because you're a smart businesswoman. Basis of our interview here today, that's pretty clear. But I really want to put a pin in that for everyone listening, right? Because if we don't know our avatar, if you're doing a different type of niche in real estate and the people don't want it done for them and you create all these revenue streams, they're not going to opt in. Right. It's like, yep. so it, it seems obvious, but I don't think people think through that enough and think about what would my customer want? Then what are the revenue streams that would get, meet those needs of my customer, you know, so to speak. And I also want to just say, I love how all your businesses are, are supporting each other. So it's not like you woke up and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like it's very connected and aligned. So it's not as much of a, a risk. Plus of a mm-hmm. risk, a lot of things that Andres and I have been talking about, in some ways that we're going to be expanding invest her, and just different things is it's all like connected, right? It's connected on some level. It's always you're mitigating risk. You're mitigating risk and you want to have growth quicker. How do you do that, right? So there's leverage, but it's not just leverage of other people. It's leverage of your own resources and businesses you've created. That's why I love what you're saying is I think the women listening, right? Might have some rentals. They might have some different assets and they might just need to think a little creatively, a little uniquely to to say what can support that, you know, so to speak. I just wanted to mention that because I think that wanted to make sure that was clear. I just love what you're up to. And just, did you want to add anything before we? No, we're good. Oh. Okay. But I do, I love what you're doing in the sense of you're never too old. You're never too young. It's like, we have to kind of stop saying those things as women, as people. And I just love what you've created in the time you've created it. And I love that Now you're jumping into a whole new level and you, and in a lot of the writing that you want to, you're going to have a proof of concept here. And I'm sure you're not going to stop with this one right? Knowing no. what you said, I'm sure. is already on the way, you know? So, so it's away. just exciting.
0: It's very exciting. And I, I wake up every day, just so excited to get out of bed and just like tear it up and get after it. And I have an amazing team of people, you know, all these people, I really believe like, if you put it out of the energy in the, in the universe that you, this is what you need, they come. And I got to tell you, like, when I was in the corporate world, I worked with a lot of really smart people, but none of them were like aligned. You know what I'm saying? The people that that you attract absolutely phenomenal. Like I couldn't, if you could see the guy that's going to run the glam ground, he is so perfect. You talk about an avatar. Think about an avatar of someone who's like a camper, outdoorsy kind of person. Like he's so cool. He's got dreadlocks. Like he's, he's perfect person. So cool. Perfect he's person. So perfect for the job. He's extremely intelligent and just all these people that have kind of just fallen into my life to make all of this stuff happen. It's absolutely, it all makes me cry. It's so awesome. <laughs>
1: I'm excited. We're excited to see how this unfolds. So please, please keep us posted. And you have
0: to come stay. I'd are love guys, I'd love to. to. come test it out. Because yeah. I'm going to tell me, have I done enough to make you like it? <laughs> you, you got, got it. Also. You tell us when. We're there.
1: We're there. Karen, where the ladies listening learn more about you and follow you along your journey?
0: So I have a website, but actually So that's where the, you'll find the most about me. It's got a little quick bio on there. And that's the easiest place to get in contact with me. There's like a, if you want to chat about Glipping or anything else, real estate related here in the Smokies, you just click a book appointment link and you can hook up with me and we'll get on the phone and chat it out.
2: Awesome. This information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Karen, is. What's the most transformational book you ever read?
0: So I alluded earlier that I'm like huge into mindset and all of that, and this happens to be a book that is based off of. It's a Bigger Pockets publishing book, and I didn't pick it just because you guys were Bigger Pockets. Like I really love this book, but it's called Duty Impossible by Jason Drees. and it. So I've been a massive like into mindset and coaching for a long time, but the book really just kind of puts a bow on it. There were a lot of concepts in there. Like the process of life, right? That I I would hear, and I'm like, "What the Christ is that?" Right? I read the book and explained it, and it's just kind of like taking all this stuff that I've been learning for years that's enabled me to make the progress I have made, and kind of just puts a bow on it and really like sums it all up. It's truly, it's I like do the impossible. It really is. It's amazing. I'm gonna listen to it probably again and again and again. <laughs>
2: Awesome. Second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
0: Meditation, without a doubt. I wake up every morning, I get up pretty early, I feed my kitties, I get my coffee, and then I go and I meditate for anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes a day. And that is minimum six days a week, seven if I can squeeze it in on the the other day on the weekend. It has transformed me profoundly in so many different ways. My mental health is amazing. My relationship with my family is amazing. My business achievements are amazing. And it's all because I just take that time every day and I self-reflect and I really work on my inner voice and how I talk to myself because it really
2: makes a difference. Absolutely. Last question, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? My grandmother, she's not famous, obviously,
0: she's famous to me. But you know, my childhood was, you know, I had divorced parents, all that. So there was a lot of things that came up in my life because of that. And um, she kind of bridged the gap. So she really gave tried to give me like a normal childhood in a time when I really wasn't going to have one. And then as I got older, I really appreciated her even more because she was kind of ahead of her time. As I look back, her views and stuff on life and. You know, she started out cleaning houses. She was an entrepreneur herself in a time when it wasn't cool to be a female entrepreneur. Like back in her day, like you lived with the man and the man made all the money and, you know, she was widowed and she was, she had four kids and she was out cleaning houses. And I just take an awful lot of inspiration. And the other thing that I love about her is I love family. And that sounds so cliche, but I love creating experiences for my family and environments and holiday events. And those things to me, like, those are what you're going to remember. And when I think about her, that's what I remember. And and I've learned that from her is to, I want to be just like her. Like, I want to be like the focal point where, you know, I am, I'm the reason why everybody gets together and hangs out because I created an event or brought everyone together so we could take some really cool trip or something like that. She did an awful lot of that. She did it with food. She would have these amazing meals. She cooked Italian food, all homemade. It was um, unbelievable. So my grandma for
1: sure. Awesome. And now look at you with what you're doing in your business, right? So come full circle, your your passion to create that, not just for your own family, but for other families. Pretty neat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Karen, thank you so much for being on our show. Excited to have you on today and, you know, good luck with everything. I don't think you need luck because, you you know, luck is what the, when our dreams... Reparation, it means opportunity. Thank you. thank you, I don't think you need luck, but excited to see you along your journey and keep us posted. So thanks again for being on our show and sharing your wisdom with
2: the women. Thanks a million for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes.
1: If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.